0: The housing crisis is wreaking havoc nationally. Our podcast discusses how it is playing out specifically in Black Berkeley, California. Chronicling the lived experiences behind what people call gentrification. Detailing our endeavor for our right to stay and our right to return. Brought to you by Healthy Black Families. I am your host, Deb, and this is telling our stories. The Housing Chronicles. Welcome. This part three and final segment of our interview with Friends of Adeline. We speak with Miss Richie Smith, Willie Phillips, and Chris Shields. Mary Mendoza unfortunately had an appointment she could not miss, so her presence is sorely missed here. But I would love to pivot now to Equity for Black Berkeley. I guess my question is, tell me, you know, each of you, your understanding of it. Um, let's begin with that. What's your understanding for Equity for Black Berkeley.
1: Should we start with you, Chris? Sure. I mean, um, I think of uh, so we've we've talked about this a little bit, but one of the things Friends of Adeline worked on for many years um, and continues to, to work on is around the city's plans and development along Adeline Corridor and Ashby BARTs, and coming back at it with our own perspective of the community's plan and the community's vision uh, for, for Adeline, for Ashby Bart and all of the history. And we don't have time to go into all that now, but to say that in that process, something that has always struck me as profound has been the work that healthy black families has been doing in the community in very much in partnership with friends of Adeline. And sometimes it gets blurry where does one end and the other begin, which I think is how relationships are when you're in community with folks. And even I was talking with Mama Yana the other day, and we were trying to remember the actual start of equity for Black Berkeley. And we got confused or I couldn't even remember. It's like, okay, did this person say this or this person, or was it me? And like, I literally couldn't remember (laughs) um but all that to say that healthy black families and the work that the organization has been doing for over a decade in uh in south berkeley but so much beyond that but this vision of um a right to stay a right to return a right to own you know a right to equity right in in the fullest sense of that word mm-hmm. And I'd say that that really became a lot of Friends of Adeline vision as well. Um, and then Healthy Black Families has taken this one step further of saying, and let's make this real. Let's move a reparative framework to actually change things in our community but, on our terms, right, and for us and with us and with the community, and so these people's assemblies, these data gatherings, these um but so much of that is really about being deeply grounded in the in the community and in a vision, and it's intentionally and rightfully so black centered um, and welcoming and inclusive that all of us can work on this vision, because frankly, it is for all of us are in different ways, but all of us will benefit from it. Right. And I think that's the, that's the piece of it that, that is invites everyone to participate.
0: Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's funny that organizing piece where you're sitting in, especially where you're cross organizations and Oftentimes very similar things come up at the same time and you interlinked and you put your resources together and you push something forward and things happen. And um, it's the people that care about the community, which, you know, to Mm -hmm. me, it's Friends of Adeline, Healthy Black Families. It's Mm -hmm. the link. And I almost want to say it's the synergy of that Mm -hmm. made that happen. Right. So. That's right. um, And I'm just curious about y'all's understanding Mr. Chimberley of I'll
2: um, let <laughs> Ms. Smith take
3: well, it. Well, as far as for Black Berkeley, there has to be some energy placed in to the financial component of the city. Because we have all these entities offshore out of the country
1: mm-hmm.
3: that's investing money in our communities, in our development. Mm-hmm. And until people of color can band together and build up the finance that it takes to invest in projects and get things going—we're going to uh, be left out. Hmm. I uh, have two papers of color that's coming into my household from Oklahoma. Hmm. And there's a lot of history being printed in these papers and how people are coming together and developing and collecting finance and rebuilding their communities. And this is what will need to happen in our area. There are people of color that have money but how are they what are they investing it in exactly there's so many of us yes <laughs> what what are they investing it
0: in You're right they, they they hire people to do these investing so they could you know yes. shave
3: off some taxes like we, we could really make things work and yeah. until we come mm-hmm. to that understanding and practice we're we're gonna be on the edge. Yeah. And that's 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 my concern.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Because as I say, I get these papers and read the messages in there and that's what's happening there, bonding together and doing things. And I don't know if you're aware of Black Wall Street and what happened to that. Right. And they are starting to work on that and rebuild. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. I received a paper this week. There are two original people that are left from that catastrophe. Mm -hmm. And they are trying to get something out of that. They had planned to financially pay them. For what they had gone through. But the judge denied it. So. They found. Another judge that stepped up to the plate. And going to handle the case. Mm. And these two individuals are in their hundreds. Mm. But having people investing their money in. The right. And proper investments to build and help restore what is needed. That is what we're going to have to come to grips with. And just like the flea market, somewhere in the archives, there's a writ that said that space was to be left as it is for what it's being used for for the farms market due to the fact that so many people of color lost their homes in that whole circle. Mm. Yeah, I've heard you say this before, Ms. Richie. yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, that was to be left,
1: mm-hmm.
3: that the flea market would be, be there. Mm-hmm. But there's somebody that's uh, out of the country coming with the big money. Invested in it just like all these senior centers. There's a number of people that's investing because in that's money making. But the people there are suffering, right? Mm-hmm. They're not being taken care of in their last years. They're stressed out. Yeah. They're old. They pay their dues. But money folk in and investing their money, they could care less.
0: Yeah, it's criminal. Yeah, so long as criminal. the
3: zeros keep adding up on 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 their paper, that's what they're concerned about. And those poor people did with very little to maintain to make it thus far. But yet and still they're still suffering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: <sighs> yes, yeah, so much work to do. But I hear you, money is a big part of it. And um, and being able to harness money to help one another, mm-hmm. just just the community in that.
3: Uh-huh. And until yeah. we come together and put some pressure on the investors, the owners of these senior dwellings, which are all in bad shape. Mm-hmm. They are not gonna have any just, but you got to make noise, loud noise. Yep. And that's what, what's happening at uh, Sojourner Truth. It is. Uh friends of Adeline, a group of us showed up there, and the person that was in charge is in charge of that, who is a person of color. And he's talking loud and disrespectful, but he's not taking care of those old souls there. Yeah. They, nobody could get a word in because he's talking about what was happening and his only excuse was they hand what well, we hand out food. That's not that's <laughs> not what's important. Mm-hmm. But but these are the these are the kind of things that we're exposed to. And going unnoticed, and you have, must make some noise
1: mm-hmm.
3: that's right. to shape mm-hmm. things up. Yep, yep. That's that's my my some of my take on it.
2: I'm in full agreement with um, Mrs. Smith. Berkeley is not a poor town. Uh, in fact, you know, if you if you look at it, it's probably one of the more affluent mm-hmm. towns. If you go up in the hills you find that out and you go to North Berkeley you can find that
0: out mm-hmm.
2: even even in South and West Berkeley it's, it's not exactly I would say poor in, in one level but there is disparity
1: mm-hmm. and
2: you can go to places in Berkeley and there are people who are struggling as Mrs. Smith mentioned before Harriet Tubman certainly would reflect that um, there are various places that obviously are not given the same equity as other places by far. But uh, but when you can sit for coffee, because I like my pizza coffee, (laughs) mind you, Um, and you can talk to the chief financial officer of the University of California, and he can basically calmly say that he oversees $160. Billion dollars. Let, mm-hmm. let me let me take that back. 160 billion dollars. Essentially, that's public money. That means that people are contributing to that money. That's pension funds. That's essentially endowments. But the real fact is that UC Berkeley came here under a land grant, and part of the deal was they were to give back to the community with the whole issue around Proposition 209. Mm -hmm. It's quite clear that there are no African-American students, or very few, on the campus now with the turn-back affirmative action. But the very fact is that there are players and there are players. There are obviously people that are successful in whatever profession they are in, uh, African-Americans that can contribute. But being limited... And being in the poverty level in terms of how we see things is part of the problem. I oversaw, actually, um, at one point in time, I was the chair of human, uh, actually, human, um, uh, basically human uh, relations organization that also actually oversaw actually funding through community block grants. It was a small. Small of money, but it's some of the same agencies that would come to that, to our commission. We're always looking at that poverty type of mentality that they just wanted to get by. Um, it requires vision. It requires being able to challenge what we normally have been conditioned to believe that we're not worthy of, that we can do more. I always go back to the fact is that when you're talking about the right to return, how many people are, what are the amount of people that you are going to reach reach out to and mm-hmm. Debbie, we've had that conversation before. Yes, you can have, have a great idea, but put numbers behind it right mm-hmm. give it some 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 attention by the fact that you put meat, not bones, but to put meat behind it and say. What are we going to do? How many years? That's how you do do yeah. anything. The very fact is you have a vision and then you apply that vision in terms of you put to, put together a strategic plan or a right. business plan. And, you work, and you work a timeline. You right. work a timeline. And you say the amount of people that you want in a certain particular amount of time obviously gives it more merit than basically saying that we want to do right to return. The very fact is that having the ability to be able to put, a vision together that surmounts the effect is that there is reparation that's due. But even with that said, how much money can be invested in, in, in housing? How can we integrate the, the flea market where it's viable? How can we basically tap into to federal money? How can we essentially get private money? How can we essentially do the kinds of things that take us outside of the poverty level in terms of where we've basically been dwelling all these years. And trust me, it's been many years since I've been exposed to these organizations to realize that what is lacking is vision.
3: There's some, another incident coming down the pike. The Black Rep. I'm highly, highly annoyed with what they are going through. Now, they've passed out notices of a coming event on the 18th of November. The fire department inspectors came through there with a fine tooth comb and pointed out and rolled out everything that needs to be changed. They went so far as to point out The stage drapes, whether they're fire safe. And those drapes have probably been there ever since they built that building, the city building. And one thing about it that I plan to make noise and loud noise about, they have not paid the black rep the money for upkeep that they paid to the Berkeley rep and the... Other the, shot, the shotgun. Yeah, shotgun mm-hmm. players. Mm-hmm. And I'm working with Sean to try to come up with the papers, the years, the last time that they contributed any money to the Black Rep. And that will tell how long it's been. But to come in and go through the place and now... They can't have anything in there until it passes all these codes. Mm. They were even talking about uh, the uh, power panel. It may need to be even the building may need to be rewired. I said, "Well, that seems like that's in in your ballpoint. It's your building, and you need to have it rewired or whatever." Mm. That's Mm. the way. When I go to their meetings, I talk, I, I say, well, they start saying, "Oh, well, we, we're not the city. We're just doing his thing. But you standing on their foundation. you standing up for the city. Send us, let the city come in and tell us that. But whenever Sean have a meeting, I go there and speak my piece because I say mm-hmm. I know when this was created from the infancy. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it was created in the in the basement of a church. Correct. And from there, they ended up across the street in in the storefront across from where I live. Mm. Until they got this building from the city, but I mean, uh, shotgun plays and all every, everything, uh, center around is operating and working. Have you gone through them and inspected? Mm. Where you need to be inspected, you're not inspecting because you need to inspect that weed store right there on the corner <laughs> with them dropping two by fours off the roof and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But that when I go, that's what I I I say. I mean, but this is the last button on Gable's coat. Mm-hmm. This black rep, mm-hmm. and they they uh, evidently have some some plans for it. Mm-hmm. But I will be standing out there in the middle of the street yelling and hollering <laughs> till the very last. I told them that I'm not giving up on it. You you moved in and did whatever you wanted to do in this area, but that's the last.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a it's an institution. <laughs> it's an institution. Uh, um, so you know going off of what you're saying, Ms. Ritchie, and what Willie said earlier, it's kind of like, and Alan spoke about this, how there's, and so did Mina, actually, in the interview earlier back in episodes one, two, and three, where institutions are made up of people Mm -hmm. and people bring their biases to whatever position. So what policy is in place only matters as much as the people who are there, right? So, um. This question of like, okay, so right to state, right to return, preference policy, great. People worked hard to make that happen because we can't use the word black anymore, right? So we've, we've, we've figured out how to sieve, <laughs> legally sift through, right? Um, and, and attempt to get it to folks that have had their stuff stripped away. However, now, how are we going to get those people back? How are we going to do? Who's going to do that? Like, what's going to be allocated to have this policy? I don't even know what to say. Like, take, mm-hmm. take shape, grow, become, you know? Yeah. Willie.
2: I always say, devil is in the details.
0: It really is. Yeah.
2: If you, if you attempt to come up with a, a program, then essentially, it means that people have to be working towards that particular mm-hmm. goal and vision
0: right, Willie. And this goes back to what Mari said earlier, right? It's like the work that was done, for instance, to have the right to stay right to return take place. be it be a thing, be a policy. Mm-hmm. Now, the work seems to be left on the same shoulders. You know, you know a lot about this, Chris, right? <laughs> um,
1: uh, to, to, to
0: now be, okay, so now we're gonna, so now we're gonna be the ones that are gonna like, how do you, it's tough. Yeah. It's really, really tough. Um, and, and this, so let me take it back to Equity for Black Berkeley. Chris, did you
1: have something to say about that? Just- well, I guess I would just say that it's important to acknowledge that it's going to take all of us. And I don't mean all of us in this room. <laughs> <laughs> though this is a very powerful room. But all of us in this in this city, for Absolutely. sure, including North Berkeley, including... Absolutely. You know, including the city administration and the city government. But even beyond these cities' borders, right? When you yeah. think of the amount of federal investment and and work at all levels of government that it took to create a segregated and then disinvested and then targeted and policed and then colonized South Berkeley. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: You know, we need that level of investment at all levels again to undo that harm. Yeah.
0: And and I guess that's what you guys were talking about when you were saying like, Resources are out there. We just right. need to go and get them and the grab university. them and make it happen. And there's
2: a relationships that are yeah. built. You think about, um, actually, um, Nathan is his name, actually. He has something in common with me. He lost his brother.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I lost my brother, actually. Uh, and again, this is the gentleman who's the chief financial officer of the university. But being able to cross the barriers as mrs smith has mentioned before is that not all people even bad people have something good possibly but the fact is you have to find it um, but you have to be able to create that it's not south berkeley it's more i'm more inclined to think that if we are innovative if we are creative if we're we're bold we can make anything happen including essentially the 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 very fact is that we've lost a lot Um, we can certainly make things different because i'm more hopeful to the fact is that i'm a baby boomer some of you in this room are, are millenniums and you guys have to basically build that bridge
0: what do you think it's going to take, Miss Ritchie?
3: Well, we have a lot of work before us. And we are in need of circling the wagons <laughs> and talking to people, getting their attention, explaining the fine print. Mm -hmm. and let them know what we stand in need of and we're not going quietly thank you that's my take on it Mm -hmm. and
0: Chris last but not least what do you think
1: I think I'll end on the thing I said before in terms of what it's going to take it'll take all of us all of us Yeah.
3: yeah You have to have allies.
2: Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. And pink people were allies.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want to thank you all. Thank you so much. Written, edited, and hosted by Deborah Hailu, Telling Our Stories Program Coordinator at Healthy Black Families, Inc., audio engineered by Adrian Davis and Selim Naji Ula of One Hitter Entertainment. Shout out to James Shields of Creative Shields for our beautiful podcast artwork. Akilah Shahid, Office and of Media Manager at Healthy Black Families, Inc., for the many ways she steps up and bridges our gaps. And Wilhelmina Wilson, Executive Director at Healthy Black Families, Inc., for bringing all of this together. Casting out the net of Black love in service of all humanity, this has been Telling Our Stories, The Housing Chronicles. See you next time.